from Psalm 51 and it's from verses 10 to 13. Psalm 51 from 10 to 13 and you know this month we've been doing Bible studies on the Psalms and it's been influencing the sermon that God has given me as well and today this is the topic God wants me to bring and I believe if it's just for one person this is word is for them today and the title of this sermon is a clean heart a right spirit Amen. hallelujah a clean heart a right spirit and I'm going to read the scripture creating me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from your presence and take not thy holy spirit from me restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit then will i teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee amen, amen. father god i just pray to you this morning that and ask you to lead me by your spirit as i sincerely bring forth your words you've placed in my heart to your people today and lord i pray that your word will go forth like a hammer breaking stone into pieces pulling down strongholds setting captives free illuminating light where there was darkness and bringing joy where there was tears Lord, lead me by your Holy Spirit and your anointing. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 55 is a psalm of David. And it's a psalm. A psalm is like what a songwriter would write today. Or a novelist might write a short poem today. And Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote in response to a visit from a prophet called Nathan. And what actually happened, the backdrop to this psalm, was that David was now king of Israel. He's now set as king of Israel and Judah. And their nation was at war with the Ammonites. And whilst David sent his army to fight the Ammonites, the enemy, David himself stayed behind as the king. So whilst he was on his rooftop, he looks out and he sees an attractive woman, I can say, called Bathsheba. And she, I believe the scriptures say she was bathing or washing and he was so attracted to her is that he sent his messengers to Bathsheba to come to him now Bathsheba was the wife of David's soldier called Uriah 
So she was a married woman. And Uriah was on the front line fighting the Ammonites. David still sent for this woman to come to him. And she lay down with him. And ultimately what happened was that she conceived of him. And she sent word to David to say, I am pregnant and it is you. Hmm? Some man, when they get that message, they head hot them. <laughs> I'm sure when David got that message, his head was hot in him. King of Israel, oh my gosh. And the women know how to phrase it, you know. All of it, responsibility is yours. So David got her message and he conceived and planned. So what he did was he sent for Uriah, her husband, to come back like as a holiday. He said, come and spend time with your family. But he underestimated the ethics or the moral of Uriah. And it's, there's a moral in this is that as long as you keep on the straight and narrow, God will see you true. Hallelujah. Amen. So David sent for Uriah and he says to Uriah, come for the next few days, just stay and chill. So you know what he's planning is that Uriah will sleep with his wife and when the baby is born, they will, he would think the child was his. But because of his ethical nature, Uriah didn't even visit his yard. He didn't even go to his house, knock his own door, look on his wife and say to her, hi, I'm here. The scriptures say, and this is in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. If you want to read this whole entire episode. So Uriah slept outside the king's door on the floor. And the reason why he did that is because he couldn't allow himself to sleep in the comfort of his bed when the nations of Israel are sleeping in the field fighting their enemies. And the nation of Judah is in the same field fighting their enemies. And even the Ark of the Covenant is out there in the field covering them as they fight their enemies. And his conscience pricked him so that he would say, there's no way I can see like all of God's men are fighting the enemy and I am here having good time good life. So he slept outside King David's door and he never suspected a thing. So when David heard this and realized after a few days that Uriah indeed has not even visited his house, Dave, King David then concocts a further plan. And he sends for his commander, a man called Joab. 
And he gives Joab a command concerning Uriah. And he says to him, send Uriah into the hottest part of the battle. And when he and his troops are in the hot part of the battle, withdraw the supporting flanks. That's what David told Joab to do. And Joab did it. And the end result of that was that Uriah was slew by the Ammonites. But not just Uriah, Sister Johnson, but many other good men of Israel who were loved by the king and their household were slew because they were standing and fighting alongside Uriah. After Uriah was slain, Bathsheba moves in with David. This is why I like the Bible, because the Bible talks about the complexities of real life. You know, sometimes we think Christendom is all about perfection. You know, if everybody meets, you meet your wife when you're 16 years old, you're caught, everything's rosy, you marry at 18 and you live to your old age and that's how it goes. Everybody, that's the presentation of Christendom. But the reality is um, following the Lord is a lot more complicated yeah. than that. Because of human nature and because of things that we say and do, it complicates our life. And we have to work it out through these complications. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Sheba now is moved in with David. Now David is the king, so no one can talk to him unless you want him to behead you. No one can come and talk to David. And God spoke to his prophet Nathan in a dream. And God told Nathan everything that David has done. And God said to Nathan, I am so displeased with King David. And I want to send you to him to show him my displeasure. So Uriah, not, not, not Uriah, Nathan then goes to King David and David receives him gladfully. This is the Lord's prophet. He's probably come to bless me. He's probably come to give me advice about the kingdom. He's probably come to give me advice about our enemies. So David receives him. But David didn't anticipate what the Lord's prophet would say. You see, when a man is really speaking what God has told him to say, sometimes it can be bitter to the hearer of that word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Sometimes it can be bitter. It's not like these guys you see on YouTube all the time. Everything is sweet. Everything is sugar what they tell you. People are in standing before them in sin and they don't never they never um, conflict them with the sin but they tell them all the sweetness 
so the people can say, prophesy, prophesy. <laughs> so here we see Nathan, the Lord's prophet, standing before David. And he tells David a story. Hmm? And he says to David, there was a rich man and a poor man in Israel. And the rich man has everything in the land. And the poor man has only one ewe lamb. That's a baby lamb. That's all he has. He loves that one ewe lamb so much. He says that that ewe lamb eats from his table. Mm? They sleep in the same place. It's like the ewe lamb is family to this poor man. And the rich man suddenly gets a, a visit from a traveller. And this traveller comes to the rich man for a visit. So the rich man says, okay, let me prepare a meal for you. But you know what? I may have hundreds and even thousands of livestock, but I'm not going to touch mine. I'm going to take that poor man's ewe lamb, kill it, and prepare it to feed this traveller. So when Nathan told David the story, David was enraged. He said, find him. He says, I'm going to do this to him and that to him. This kind of injustice in Israel. That's what David was shouting and raging before the Lord's prophet. And then Nathan let him get the steam out. Let him just rage. You know how some... You know, like some Jamaicans that just want to get you off their chest. And when they're going through that, you have to just quiet and let them just get it off the chest. And Nathan just let him get it off. What a wicked this rich man is. And when he got it off his chest, the prophet of God looks at King David and says, King David... That man is you. That rich man I spoke about is you. Hallelujah. Praise God. God told me, he said, that he has given you a nation. He has given you all of King Saul's concubines. Hundreds of women. Hmm? He has given you the kingdom of God on earth. Everything, nothing you can lack for has God given to you. And you kill your right hand man Uriah and you sleep with his wife. And because of that, I'm not going to let this child that she has live. That's what God told him. This boy child she's conceived I'm not going to let him live. And what David, when Nathan said that to David, that was wisdom. Because in God knows that if Nathan had come and just accused him, he would have either denied it, he would have made some story. He would have, but because 
God gave Nathan the wisdom just to share the story first and for David to respond. David had exposed himself. Amen. And when Nathan said to him that that rich man that I just told you about is you, and then he told him what God had showed him in the dream, right? That was when David, for the first time since being the king, has God gave him that opportunity for what we call spiritual introspection. Now, spiritual introspection is when you have the ability to look meaningfully and honestly at one's self. And it was only then did he realize that he indeed had become unclean. Because of his title, because of his position and everything he has, he had been blinded. Hallelujah. That all of these things have blinded him that in effect now he has become unclean. Hallelujah. Praise God. There are three signs of uncleanliness. We think uncleanliness is just physical, but there's more than the physical. Yes, there's the physical uncleanliness where you people could be all comfortable in dirty surroundings, wearing dirty clothing, constant sickness. These are signs of physical uncleanliness. But there are also spiritual uncleanliness. And these signs of these is when someone is, is struggling to do the things for God. There's an element of spiritual uncleanliness affecting the Christian to do the things for God. Hallelujah. Someone shared a testimony about the back door. Who was that? Yes. It's like the back door. Physically and naturally, you don't see it until God reveals it to you. Hallelujah. But what that is in effect is doing is bringing in spiritual uncleanliness. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. A spiritual uncleanliness will make a, a believer always fall back into the same old sin. The same old sin. The same old confusion. The same old lackadaisical, tardy attitude to the things of God. That's signs of spiritual uncleanliness. And today some people can uh, uh, make themselves, expose themselves to spiritual uncleanliness through the music they listen to. Many of the music today is unclean. It doesn't edify the soul. Hallelujah. And some of them have even hidden messages in them. They make the hearer of the music spiritually unclean. And then when it comes to do that natural things for God, they struggle. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then there is like what, what I would call mental uncleanliness. In the mind, hallelujah. 
where the thoughts and the beliefs are against God. Hallelujah. When you get people, as the Bible says, with reprobate minds. Hallelujah. Saying God's name in one way, but in another way, their thoughts and their beliefs are completely against God. That's a mental uncleanliness. We can see out there right now where they're voting, you know, Church of England and all Anglican and all of these churches. They're mentally unclean. Their thoughts and their beliefs are actually against God and the things of God. But praise be to God in his time of weakness and infallibility. God was able to send Nathan to expose the uncleanliness that was in his life. And when they, that, the thing with uncleanliness in the life is that some, it leads to more uncleanliness. The devil might start with a little chink in the door. And when he gets that foothold in, he's going to push the chink to be wider and wider and wider to the point where all hell breaks loose in that person's life and everything they want to do the enemy is just playing with them hmm? that's why after Nathan convicted him David had to say those words creating me a clean heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me hallelujah Praise God. Creating me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit. Within me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Creating me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit. Within me. We all need that. Say that prayer. Hallelujah. Me standing here preaching this word. I have to say these words. For myself. Hallelujah. I'm not perfect. I have to ask God to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You know, when Nathan spoke to David, it shows the power of the effect, the positive effect of the word of God. Hallelujah. On us, his, his servants. David couldn't resist the words of Nathan because Nathan was speaking what God told him to say. Hallelujah. And when we read the word and we speak the word and we proclaim the word in our prayer, even the enemy cannot resist. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. The word of God divides even the soul from the spirit, something that science cannot discern. The word of God can decipher it and split the soul from the spirit. Hallelujah. The joints from the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Only the word of God can pierce through sometimes that darkness, that confusion. That's why the enemy is fighting against the word of God. That's why even these mad people, forgive me Lord for calling them mad, but these people who even say they want to change the Bible. Where it says God is here to make it new gender neutral now. That's the discussion they've got to run into next. They don't understand the power of the word of God. It's the enemy working through them to do these things. Hallelujah. The word of God can cleanse you. Hallelujah. When you speak his word by faith over your life. His word can cleanse and discern what needs to be cleansed. Even things you don't even know yourself in your life. If somebody's arrogant, the last person to know that they're arrogant is the person who's arrogant. Hallelujah. But the word of God can speak to the arrogant heart and convict them of their nature. And convict them that what they're doing is actually pushing people away. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I believe that if um, at that point, if David had met Jesus thousand, a thousand years later, physically, and tried to present himself to Jesus as if he was perfect, Jesus would have admonished him at that time and when God admonishes us you need to thank the Lord because that means there is still hope for you it's when God says you know what I'm done with this one I've tried I've tried I've tried but you know when the Bible says when they get reprobate minds God just leaves them till they do things that they thought they would never do before. That's what God does. Hallelujah. And when, the, when God can admonish you, can, when God can convict the heart, when God can speak to your mind and you can recognize that your, something in your life is unclean, there is hope for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. When God can speak to your heart to make you know there's something that you're doing that is unclean, there is still hope. But there's going to be a point if you don't listen to God and repent and change your ways. Hallelujah. When God himself is going to say, I'm done. It's like when Jesus met the, the, the Pharisees in Matthew 23 and they came to Jesus and they saw Jesus having a meal now if I come to your house and you lay the table say my pastor if it says your meal <clears throat> and in them days you remember they're in the desert so their feet would be dusty. They would have dust all around them. And so they, Pharisees, would always wash their hands before a meal. 
And they will say, if you don't, you're making yourself unclean. Now they're thinking in the physical. Jesus was here sitting down and Pharisees were present with him. And he eats, starts to eat the meal without washing his hands, Jesus. And immediately in their minds they're thinking, how can he eat and his hands are not clean? But hear what Jesus said to them in Matthew 23, verses 26 to 28. Jesus says, you blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish. Yeah, what Jesus said? First clean the inside of the cup and the dish. Start with the heart. Hallelujah. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside also will be clean. You see, they're interested in just the outside. They're interested in just how they look to people. But Jesus is in, more interested on your inside. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because he knows once your inside is right with God, yeah. everything else gets taken care of. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. He said to them, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Now, I challenge anyone, when you go home, go into your kitchen. Get a cup and dish that's dirty and try and clean the inside of it and without cleaning the outside. That's your challenge. <laughs> try and clean the inside of that cup without the outside also getting clean or the plate. Yeah? Jesus is showing that it's the importance is the heart. He said to them, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. Hallelujah. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of dead and everything is unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's what Jesus said to them. David was in this position where he realized that even though he had all the trappings of success, after the long battle he had with Saul, long battle he had with the Pharisees, long battle he had with all his enemies, He's now been placed as king. And in that moment of the flesh, hallelujah, he forgot and he made himself unclean. Hallelujah. And uncleanliness can also be, can also affect you because of things that we bring or we allow in our presence. Mm? there's some things we can allow, allow in our homes I remember counselling a Christian years ago and I was alarmed 
the amount of new age stuff this brother had in his house. Crystals, Buddha, all of these things for good luck and money. Hmm? But he didn't know that these things were actually making his environment unclean. And it was no, and now then I put two and two together. This is why he's struggling so much. He can't even say praise the Lord. He's struggling spiritually because his whole environment has become unclean. And if you think I'm exaggerating, if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist by saying this, if you look in the, the book of Joshua, you will see there was a time when. Joshua was leading the nation of Israel and army uh, attack after attack they were defeating the armies of God and the next place they came to was a place called A and it was a small town small in number small garrison so small that Joshua's commander said to him we don't even need our entire army to attack this place just send a few thousand men. They'll just overrun it and take it. There's so few of them. And God had given them a command. And he says, whenever you go um, to the battle, anything like these statues that are made in gold, these trinkets that they have, do not take them. God said, do not take take them because those things are spiritually unclean. Those things are like attract the unclean. So God warned Joshua and he warned the commanders who warned the soldiers. And when the few of them went to A, a tiny little place, the story goes in Joshua that and this is Joshua chapter 8, that when they got there, the people down there, the, the, these are like the pagans, they raise up themselves against the people of God, God's soldiers, and set God's army to flight and slew thousands of the army. And the thing so shocked Joshua that Joshua was on the floor crying about it and crying out to the Lord how could this happen Lord how could this happen and God said to him what you're doing down there on the floor get up huh? get up reminds me when I was a young boy and, and if I'm messing about she would say get up and get on and do what you got to do <laughs> it's like Joshua was there mellowing crying They'd lost their brethren, you know. Men that stand shoulder to shoulder with them, lost, killed by the pagan enemies, right? So Joshua was conflicted and confounded by this. And God said to him, the reason why they had, they overcame you is because there is something unclean in Israel. The whole nation, God said, there is something unclean amongst the whole nation of you. So God said to Joshua, this is what you're going to do. 
you're going to call out. And the way they did it, they had the way that the priests would, I think it's called a finum and an unum, that the priest uses. It's a black and white ball. One black, one white. <clears throat> and only the priests are allowed to do it. And they would ask God, and God will speak to them through that. And they are, so they said to God, they said uh, they want all the heads of all the nations to come up. And they all came up, and then it chose one nation. My mind, I can't remember the, which nation it was. And then from that nation, they said they want all the heads of every family to come up. And then once that the thing identified one particular family, they said, okay, we're getting closer. Out of this whole family, we want just all the men to come up. And when all the men came up, a man, it identified a man called Achan. So Joshua spoke, speaks to Achan, and he says to him, glorify the Lord, for he's worthy to be praised. Talk the truth, and make the devil be a liar. Did you take anything from the pagans? And Achan said, yes. He says, when they won the battle, he looked in one of their tents and he saw some ornaments and some pretty looking things that were silver and gold. And he said it looked so attractive to him that he took it and he brought it into his tent and he hid it under some sheeting. And that was the object because of that one man with that object, the whole entire nation had become unclean. This is deep, isn't it? Yeah? So we can't take certain things lightly. Mm? We can't be like certain churches where they're into new age and everything's yoga this and yoga that, and bringing in things in their yard. That is unclean things. Hallelujah. And the end result for Achan was that they had to destroy those things. They destroyed it. And they destroyed him. They destroyed his household. Even the animals they destroyed. And built. And when they burned them up, they put pure rocks all over them. Because he had brought in an unclean thing. And then when Joshua then sent another group to attack A, they slaughtered A and took it just like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. When David realized that he had become unclean, what I love about David was he wasn't arrogant, was he wasn't self-righteous like the Pharisees. His immediate response to God is creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. The God that we serve when we call on his name and ask him to have mercy, ask him to have forgiveness, ask him to change us. Because you know what? There are some things it's hard for you to change yourself. Some things you're trying to change 
in the natural. We need the Spirit of God, hallelujah, to come into our life. We need the Word of God to come in and to expel all unclean things from all areas of our life, hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. David said, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. David immediately recognized that he no longer, part of the problem with the uncleanness, he no longer had that joy of his salvation anymore. Worshipping the Lord was an effort now. You know, it becomes a chore. Hallelujah. That's because he was unclean. But he says, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. And then he says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Praise be to God. David is in effect saying that once you restore me, once you create the clean heart in me, once you renew a right spirit to me, once you restore to me the joy of thy salvation, I will be that witness unto you. Hallelujah. I will be that witness unto God. Hallelujah. That by my life, hallelujah, there is life only with Christ. Hallelujah. I will be that witness to those who look on me and see me with joy, see me triumphant, even though, yes, I have failed in some areas of my life, even though, yes, I have let my side down and let myself down. God is merciful and his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And when you know that mercy of God, when you experience it for yourself, that you know that you was a sinner, what we deserve, and because of his grace and his mercy, Hallelujah. We can have joy once again in our lives. And when you have joy of God, you will love him and you will love your neighbor. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus taught as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Hallelujah. And love your neighbor as yourself. God, that's when you have been cleansed out by God. Hallelujah. You can love God and you can love your neighbor. Hallelujah. And David was a man who, yes, why, and this is why he's such a good example. Because he's not perfect. Because none of us are perfect. Well, maybe someone that is in here is perfect. I don't know, but I I know that I'm not perfect. Amen. And none of us are perfect. But when you experience that love of God, 
It transforms your heart. Hallelujah. It transforms your heart from a heart of hardness, a heart of selfishness, a heart that is just all you see is your own problems. You don't care about anybody else. Love, the love of God will make you patient. The love of God will make you kind. The love of God will make you not envy others. Hallelujah. The love of God will make you not boast. Hallelujah. Love, hallelujah. Love delights not in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Hallelujah. When others say there's no hope for him, love will make you always hope. When others say this is all dead and done and dusted, love will make you persevere. Hallelujah. Love is the antidote to uncleanliness. Praise God. The love of God is the antidote to uncleanliness. And regardless of David being unclean, somewhere deep down in his spirit, he loved the Lord. Hallelujah. Even though deep down he was unclean, he loved the Lord. And that's what keeps him. That's what changed him. That's what gave him the victory. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Never forget the love of God. What God has done for you. In taking you thus so far. Hallelujah. Never forget what God has done. Hallelujah. That even if we make a mistake. He doesn't chop off our leg. And chop off our hand. He doesn't say I'm done with you. He was ministered to you through his word. He will minister to you through a son. He will minister to you through a friend. Even a child he will make come and minister the word to you. Hallelujah. So you can fix up yourself and say, you know what I've done with this uncleanliness in my life. Hallelujah. Creating me, Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. A clean heart and a right spirit. God is there to help us. Hallelujah. To grow in him. Because we all need, we all growing. Every single one of us is growing. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're all growing and learning more about the Lord. And this word was just to strengthen you today. It might sound at points to be an admonishing word, but it's there to help you, us all to have that spiritual introspection that, that David got after Nathan spoke to him. Amen. To understand because David himself didn't judge him. He just simply told him what God told him. And then from that, and hearing the word of God, he could get to that place to realise that indeed now his heart was unclean. And what's interesting as well is that um, David didn't pray about Uriah, the man he killed. He, he, you see, God, 
God is, an et God is eternal. Amen. And to, uh, to God, we are now eternal. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're just here for a time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Paul, that's why Paul said, absent from the body, but present with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Death isn't the end for us. Hallelujah. It's just another chapter in eternity with God. Amen. Praise God. And that's why David knew, David knew that, yes, he did these things to Uriah, but in, in, a, in the spiritual sense, they've, they've, they've take, God has taken them out of their trials, their tears, their suffering. And they're now with him. And that's why David's prayer is to God. It's to God he's apologizing to. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise God. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. God bless you. God bless you.